Welcome to 20 Minute Bible Study, a teaching podcast from Faith on Hill Church in Milwaukee, Oregon. My name is Adam, and while I start the timer, why don't you open your Bible to the book of Exodus, chapter 9? Well, as we continue our study through the Exodus story, God continues to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, and Pharaoh continues to refuse. Chapter 9, verse 1 says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what Yahweh, the God of the Hebrews, says, Let my people go, so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of Yahweh will bring a terrible plague on all your livestock in the field, on your horses, donkeys, and camels, and on your cattle, sheep, and goats. But Yahweh will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the, that of Egypt, so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. The Lord set a time. Tomorrow, the Lord will do... Excuse me here, there's something... It's always tricky when there's a page turn here. I'm going to start back over here. Verse 5, the Lord set a time and said, Tomorrow, the Lord will do this in the land. The next day, the Lord did it all. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, and not one animal belonging to the Israelites died. Pharaoh investigated and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died, yet his heart was unyielding, and he would not let the people go. Livestock, we cannot fathom what that meant in an agrarian culture. Your sheep your goats, your pigs, it would be as if they were on their, their banking app, they had logged into online banking, and they just watched as the dollar signs begin to trickle away. This wasn't just food source, it was currency. It wasn't just currency, it was your very life. And the plague is now coming upon them. And the Lord said in verse 5, set a time. And the Lord set a time, tomorrow the Lord will do this. Even in judgment, God shows mercy. He said, tomorrow I'm going to do these things. Tomorrow the judgment's coming. But today was the day to repent. Pharaoh could have repented. Pharaoh could have asked for mercy. Do you remember the story of Jonah, the reluctant prophet? He didn't want to go to the city of Nineveh. He hated the people in Nineveh. And we find out the reason he didn't want to go was because he knew that if they repented, God would show them mercy. And when they did repent, and they didn't even have a guarantee, they just said, we need to repent and maybe God will spare us. And he did. And Jonah 
was exceedingly angry. And God said, why are you troubled? And he said, because I knew that if they repented, you would show them mercy. Pharaoh could have repented. God said, tomorrow the judgment is coming. That means that today is the day to repent. Today is the day to repent. I'll serve God when I'm out of high school. I'll serve God when I'm out of college. Oh, you know, I've got to get my family established and I've got to get my career established, but then I'll serve God at some later point. Today is the day to repent, turn from our sins and follow Jesus. Verse 7 says, Yet Pharaoh's heart was unyielding and he would not let the people go. How long is it going to take until you repent? Now, have you ever played the game, Would You Rather? Little kids love this game. It's a gross-out game. Would you rather eat a slug or would you rather lick a used Band-Aid? It's that kind of thing. Um, when it comes to the plagues and the Would You Rather, if you take away the final plague, which I think everyone would agree is the one you would like to avoid, but when it comes to the plagues that we've experienced so far, if you played the game, would you rather, and said, which one of the plagues would you like to avoid the most? It's this next plague that I would want to avoid the most. Verse 8, Then Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from a furnace, and have Moses toss it into the air in the presence of Pharaoh, and it will become a fine dust over the whole land of Egypt and festering boils will break out on people and animals throughout the land. There was no magic in the soot, the ash. God said, just find a furnace. Any furnace will do. It doesn't matter. People think that for God to do something, oh, something has to be special. But God takes the ordinary and makes it extraordinary. The Bible says God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And so he says, just go get some ash, something worthless. And in Pharaoh's presence, throw it up in the air. And I can imagine that as it began to spread, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a visual thing. It only makes sense to me that visually something miraculous happened. And as it began to spread through the air, the boils began to spread. Verse 10, so they took the soot from a furnace and stood before Pharaoh. Moses tossed it in the air and festering boils broke out on people and animals. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils that were on all of them and all the Egyptians. But the Pharaoh hardened but the Lord, excuse me, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron just as, just as the Lord had said to Moses. The first several miraculous things that God had Moses do, Pharaoh's magicians could do them as well. Aaron Moses' brother threw his walking stick, his staff, on the ground, and it turned into a serpent. Pharaoh's magicians did that too. 
Moses stuck his hand inside his cloak and pulled it out, and it was diseased and leprous. Pharaoh's magicians did that too. Moses put his hand back in the cloak, pulled it out, it was healed. Pharaoh's magicians did that too. Moses and Aaron turned water to blood. Pharaoh's magicians did that too. They had the plague of the frogs. Pharaoh's magicians did that as well. Then the plague of the gnats came, and the magicians could not replicate it, either because they were using illusion and trickery, and there's some things you can fake, and there's some things you can't, or because the demonic powers that they had tapped into had limits. Either they themselves were limited or they were limited by God. And now they are unable to even stand as Moses and Aaron stand firm before Pharaoh. What I have found is that when you stand for God, when you stand in truth, when you stand in the way that is right, there will be others who stand opposed to you. There will be those who stand opposed to God. There will be those who stand opposed to the path that we walk. And they may even look for a time to be more successful. They may appear as if they're getting ahead in life while we're over here trying to follow Jesus and the cars broke down again. We're over here trying to follow Jesus and we don't know how we're going to uh, pay for this bill or get our kids to camp or, or whatever it is. While it seems like those who are walking in what we would say is wickedness seem to be getting ahead in life. I have found that the mark of faithfulness is not what happens in the moment. The mark of faithfulness is standing firm and outlasting. If I want to be a faithful servant of Jesus, it's not measured in minutes, it's measured in years. Somebody could, you could look and you could say, oh my goodness, look at that person, how talented they are, how successful they are. I could never do anything for God, and yet that person is getting ahead. But if you stay faithful, if you stay firm in what God has called you to do, I believe that will show in the long run. Beyond faithfulness, there is a reality that up until now, at every plague and every miraculous sign, at every message from God, Pharaoh has hardened his own heart. And now it says that God has hardened his heart. If you remember when Moses was called by God to be the deliverer of his people, that God said, I am going to send you to Pharaoh, but I will harden his heart and he will not respond. That is true in the long run, and it possibly gives you some insight into the perspective that God brings into this life. But Pharaoh, for the first time, signs and plagues and judgments hardened his own heart. Be careful what you wish for. 
The Bible says that God will give you the desires of your heart. If you desire righteousness, God will bring you to a place of righteousness. If you desire truth, God will bring you to his truth. But if you desire to live for yourself, to live after your sinful ways, your sinful desires, your selfishness, your pride, your lusts, and your bitterness, then God will let you do that as well. I know a, I know a, a man who, who told me um, he had a, a friend, a Christian, who is in prison for the rest of his life, deservedly so. He's in prison for the rest of his life for double homicide. And this, this man went to visit his friend in prison, and he said, what happened? The man in prison is now repentant, loves Jesus, is trying to do the best he can with the mess of his life that he had created. And he said, I, I just believe the hand of God was taken off of me. And God said, go do what you want to do. And that led to a horrible path. Now, I, I grant that life in prison for double homicide is an extreme story, but I don't think it's an uncommon one in terms of this idea that if we want to do something, there will come a point where you might think the restraining hand of God, you might think the hand of God that is holding you back is there to keep you down when really it's been keeping you safe. It's been keeping you free. And there could come a point, even for the Christian, where God's merciful restraining hand is removed and he says, go for it. This is your choice. Can God redeem your life after this? Can God take the mess and take something and make it beautiful? Sure. But that doesn't remove everything that's happened before. That guy is still in prison. Those people are still dead. God hardened Pharaoh's heart only after Pharaoh had continually hardened his heart. And finally God said, fine, this is what you want. I'm going to give it to you. Seek after God's love. Seek after God's truth. Seek after God's humiliating kindness. And I mean humiliating in the best way. Because if God, if, if God will bring us the desires of our heart and the desires of our heart are for him, it will be our blessing. But if the desires of our heart are after our own ways, he'll let us do it. And that's a frightening thing. Verse 13, the Lord said to Moses, get up early in the morning. I'm a night person, so I'm thankful that I didn't have Moses' job. Get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh, and say, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. Or this time I will send the full force of my plagues against you and your officials and your people so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. For by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that have would have wiped you from the face of the earth. But I have raised you up for this very purpose that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You still set yourself against my people and I will and will not let them go. Therefore, at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen on Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Give an order now to bring your livestock and everything you have in the field to a place of shelter. 
because the hail will fall on every person and animal that has not been brought in and still out in the field, and they will die. I have seen some torrential rains, but I have not seen devastating hailstorms. They exist. They happen. We have friends in Colorado, and some other friends of ours went to visit them, and these hailstorms happened, and I saw the pictures of their car dented and beaten and windshields cracked, all because of hailstorms. This apparently was something that the Egyptians would have experienced from time to time. Even in those hot climates, these sort of extreme weather phenomenon can happen. Every so often you'll hear a story of rain in Lebanon or in Israel. or I don't mean rain, excuse me, but snow. You'll hear s- stories of it snowing in Jerusalem. So these hailstorms, God said, you, you think you know what a hailstorm is. I'm going to send one. But again, in his just judgment, he shows mercy. I'm giving you 24 hours to get inside, get in shelter, get your herds from the field into the storehouses. If you're about to harvest something, harvest it now because it will be destroyed in this storm. God was going to demonstrate his power. And he's giving them warning. Verse 20 says, Those officials of Pharaoh who feared the word of Yahweh hurried to bring in their slaves and livestock inside. But those who ignored the word of the Lord left their slaves and livestock in the field. So apparently some people in Egypt were starting to believe in the God of the Hebrews. And those who did were spared. Those who did not suffered. The Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand towards the sky so that the hail will fall all over Egypt and on people and on animals and on every growing thing in the field. And when Moses stretched out his staff towards the sky, the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed down on the ground. So Yahweh rained hail on the land of Egypt. Hail fell and lightning flashed back and forth. It was the worst storm in the land of Egypt since it had become a nation throughout Egypt. Hail struck everything in the field, both people and animals, and it beat down everything growing and stripped every tree. The only place it did not hail was the land of Goshen where the Israelites were. God warned them, and they either listened and were spared, or they did not, and they chose their fate. Verse 27, Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, This time I have sinned. He said to them, Yahweh is in the right, and I and my people are in the wrong. Pray to the Lord that we have had enough thunder and hail. I will let you go. You don't have to stay any longer. And Moses replied, When I have gone out to the city, I will spread out my hands in prayer to the Lord. The thunder will stop and there will be no more hail, so that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But I know that you and your officials still do not fear God. The flax and the barley were destroyed since barley had headed and the flax was in bloom. The wheat and the spelt, however, were not destroyed because they ripened later. So again, in his judgment, God shows mercy. Then Moses left Pharaoh and went out of the city, and he spread his hands towards Yahweh. The thunder and hail stopped. The rain no longer poured down on the land. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and hail and thunder had stopped, he sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. 
So Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not let the Israelites go, just as Yahweh had said through Moses. Do you want to know if you've really repented? It'll show. I'm not saved by what I do, but I am saved. And because I am saved, my life is changed. I want to say thank you for joining us again for another 20-minute Bible study. New episodes release every Thursday. You can follow us on social media at faithonhill, faithonhill.com. If you need prayer, if you want Jesus to save you fully, if you want life change, email adam at faithonhill.com. We'd love to tell you more about Jesus. We'll see you next week on 20-Minute Bible Study.